Welcome into the Empty Bottle Sports Podcast. This is our recap episode for Illinois football and the Chicago Bears this past weekend. We're sorry that we're a few days late, but Andrew is actually on vacation in Florida enjoying a nice needed respite. So we're happy to have him back and we're happy to actually, or we're happy to talk about the Bears, but the Illini, we'll get to it when we get to it. But man, how was that vacation? What do you got in front of you today? You know, Danny, it was good. Nice and warm in Florida. Came back to between 50s and 60s today. So that was a little wake up call. <laughs> but, you know, it was a good vacation. Definitely had time to keep up with some football and baseball. Um, some of which were good, some of which were not. But got yeah. some water in front of me. Got to stay hydrated, especially after being out in the sun. What about you? Yeah, I'm also drinking some water. I was out on the golf course today. I'm going to be out at the beach tomorrow because man, it's still eighties and sunny down here in South Carolina. So I'm still enjoying the nice weather and taking advantage of it. So it'll be water for uh, today and tomorrow to stay hydrated for me. And then, uh, Oh yeah. 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 Your white Sox, man. I'm sorry. I had to bring it up like that. (laughs) I just remember (laughs) because I'm watching the Houston Red Sox game right now. And you know, let's just get it out of the way because we got to talk about it. We got to talk about your White Sox. Um, first, just overall thoughts from the playoff series with the Astros. And then what is your measure of them this season as a whole? Yeah, so the playoff series with the Astros is a little tough to watch. Um, outside of game three, where we had the magic wand and, you know, some very, very uh, yeah. lucky breaks and stuff like that. It was, it was a tough series to watch. And the Sox struggled against the Astros this season during the regular season. Um, I think it was a 5-2 split in the Astros' favor during the regular season, something like that, which does not bode well for your team. Um, we lost every single game in Houston and split the games in Chicago. So it's going to be hard to win a series when you're playing like that now. You know, it's it's tough. Our bats weren't very hot. Uh, Houston's pitching was good, and we couldn't get many runs off of it. And then, to be honest, walks are what really killed the White Sox. If you go back and you watch the series, especially the games we lost, majority of their runs, I want to say, came off of a walk. They'd walk somebody, a couple hits, and that run would go around and score. And if you keep doing that, they're going to stack up runs. So, that was a little frustrating to watch. Um, obviously got through the entire bullpen. Some pitchers played really well. Um, the starters didn't usually go very long in these games, but you know, outside of game three, we struggled producing runs. Um, you know, game three, we produced 11 or 12. I forget the exact number, but we had a crooked number up there. And then some of these other games, we were scoring zero runs, one run. Yeah. You can't win games like that. So it would have been nice to see the bats get hot um, in some of these other games, but you know, it is what it is. There was a really cool play by Yasmani Grandal. If you watched uh, him block the throw at a home plate. Yes. Yeah, I did see that. That was, that was exciting to watch. But, that was a good um, a heads up play, even though it wasn't like, because he didn't like veer into it, but he started his path long before the throw was thrown. Um, and, and it just worked out really well. Let's just say he knew what he was doing there. I, I think, think so. he, I'll, I'll, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I'm thinking of as that it was uh, an unintentional intentional right getting uh, in the way I, I would agree with that so it's interesting you bring up the hitting part too and we, we were kind of talking about it before the playoffs started and just how it's either this White Sox offense is at like zero or a hundred 
And we saw in game three just how they came out uh, firing and they stayed firing even though they got down early to the Astros and they just really walloped the Astros. And we saw how high powered that offense could be. Uh, and then we saw, you know, the other three games that maybe got some runs across, but really just did not get the job done. I wasn't too surprised at that because that's kind of what I've expected from this White Sox offense the entire season and in the playoffs. That's just how they've been operating the entire year. What I am more surprised about is the pitching staff. They really didn't go too deep at all. And that was what really carried you through the entire season when you were battling injuries during that um throughout the entire year, I would say, to that lineup where you really didn't have one through nine fully healthy at all times. And it was the pitching staff, a really, really good pitching staff. They got you through that. And uh, they just did not – they didn't come to play in the playoffs, to say the least. Uh, even in game three where the White Sox won, I just – you just didn't see that dominance that you saw during the regular season. Um, and I know – here's but, like, the Astros, they're – one through eight, they're, a, you know, that is a, that sucks. That is a buzzsaw of a lineup on the Astros. So it took the caps to the Astros as well. Um, but I, I think I wanted to see a little bit more out of that pitching staff. Yeah, as you mentioned, right, that pitching staff really carried the White Sox this year, especially with guys being out. And, you know, Luis Robert was out for a bit. Eloy Jimenez was out. Yasmani Grandal was out for a bit. You know, Nick Madrigal went out and then got traded. But, those are some high powered guys that we were without. So that pitching staff really carried us. And especially the starters, they were yeah. playing lights out. Carlos Rodon, Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito. Those guys are playing phenomenal this year. And they're what got us the postseason. But in the postseason, they didn't go very many innings. They were getting torn up by the Astros. And then we had to go to our bullpen very early in all of these games. And, yeah. you know, you saw Michael Kopech had some good games, Ryan Tapera as well, but, um, some of the guys in the bullpen struggled a little bit, gave up some runs, especially followed by walks. And yeah, the walks uh, were that, frustrating. That was tough to see. Like you gotta, you gotta be better pitching. And, um, honestly, the white Sox won through, I think five batters were doing really well in that series, yeah. but yeah. you look at six through nine and they were like one for 28 yeah. when I was checking and you can't have that. Like you need your, you need those guys down bottom to still, be getting on base, driving in runs, stuff like that. So it's those two combined, you're not going to win games. And the Astros, they were getting production one through eight, not one through five, like you were saying with the White Sox. And just having those extra three hitters uh, on that team, or at least being uh, at least being a threat to the White Sox pitching staff, uh, it does wonders. And we saw that over the course of the of the um, series. So what are you looking forward to next season? Are, are we It'll be interesting to see what happens with the lockout. I, I say lockout. There's not even a lockout yet, but we can probably pretty much guarantee there's going to be a lockout since the CBA is up. And I think ownership and the Players Association in baseball do not have a good relationship. And I don't even think they've started to dress and just throw COVID into the mix. We're probably going to get a lockout this year. Uh, so what do the White Sox need going into next season to solidify them as American League title contenders? Yeah, so if I'm thinking of White Sox in that role, they need some desperate help in some of these positions that have question marks, mainly the bottom half of your lineup, right? Your second base, that's a big question mark. Um, you have Tim Anderson at shortstop. Yeah. He's phenomenal. But second base, you have Norm Cesar Madrigal. Hernandez. Yeah, Norman Madrigal, we traded him to the Cubs, if you remember. 
So we have Cesar Hernandez at second base. He hasn't been playing super well. Um, you sometimes put Leary Garcia in there. He hasn't been doing well. You have right field a question. Do you have Adam Engel who doesn't bat well? Like we got to figure out some of those positions and get some guys that can create some offense. I think this bullpen and this pitching staff is uh, I'm pretty happy with. Now, I think Craig Kimbrell is going to be gone next year. I don't think the Sox are going to keep him around. He did not play well as soon as he got to the White Sox. He was just he got to the White Sox. I think they'll probably sign and trade him and hopefully get something reasonable in return. Um, maybe make a few changes in that bullpen. I'll be interested to see if they try to bring Michael Kopech into a starter role. Um, he deserves the, a chance to uh, compete for it. Yes, he's been good. And uh, Lopez is also been playing well. I'm curious to see what they'll do with him. So I like that pitching staff. We have maybe a few minor tweaks, but I really want to see him address that bottom half of the lineup. Yeah. Get a decent second baseman, uh, get an answer at right field. And hopefully next year we'll be able to score some more runs. Cause if we can score runs, I think this team can go pretty far. I say, I would like to see just like you addressed with the, the bottom half of the lineup or the bottom third of the lineup. And then I would like to see them sign. They got a lot of cap room because um, they signed a lot of these younger players to long-term contracts and they got them early on and they're for really affordable contracts for right now. I want to see them go out and get an ACE to really headline that starting line, that um, starting pitching staff and just kind of be their bell cow throughout the season. And like you said, the, the parts are not as good. The entire whole, like there's that pitching staff is really good as a whole, but I feel like in the playoffs, you need that ACE, um, to lead you off against to go into the to the Lions den of the Houston Astros and Houston take off game one. I, you know, Lance Lynn, he he's great and everything, but I just don't see him as like an ace material, one of the best pitchers in baseball and get beat up like he did. So I, I would like to see them make a big, big free agent signing or or trade, I guess, too. Yeah, keep in mind Lance Lynn, I think, had the best ERA of any AL pitcher this season. So yeah. he, I think he is your ace. You can add some talent. Now, obviously you have your clothes already. You have Liam Hendricks. They'll probably get rid of Kimbrell. Um, yeah, he was not a good eighth inning guy to set up for that. Exactly. We could, I mean, we could use some starters. Dallas Keuchel struggled. You could, you know, yeah, get an ace or somebody player. replace him. Um, or maybe some of those mid inning guys, but mm-hmm. I think closer we're fine on and, you know, starter, you have Lancelin and Carlos Rodon, who I hope they're both healthy. Carlos Rodon had a lot of shoulder issues towards the end of the year. We'll see if he can get that figured out yeah, before next yeah. season starts because he's a guy you need. He He's yes. a great pitcher when he's healthy. Him and Lancelin, Lucas Giulio, con- Dylan Seas. Is this contract up this year, Carlos Rodon's? It might be. I know we yeah. signed Lancelin to an extension, but I I don't know if Carlos Rodon's done this yeah, I would year. Yeah, I would started. say Keiko's gone um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't think that was, a, I mean, at the time I thought it was fine. It was a fine signing, but right now I, I just don't, it, it just, it's, it's not working out. I would say with him. I agree. I, I really want to see the White Sox go get Nick Madrigal back, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. He was my, he was one of my favorite guys. He yeah. was lights out when anytime he had two strikes, he would find a way to get on base. He was an exciting guy to watch. He was a good mm-hmm. second baseman. Mm-hmm. He had a hamstring injury that, I think hamstring. Uh, he had some injury that took him out for the season. Now he's on the Cubs, but 
And he's a he's a fun guy to watch. I hope I hope they get him back, but I doubt they will. Yeah, I hope you guys don't get him back. I hope we keep him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that the Cubs finally won a trade with the Kimbrel trade because right now, I mean, he wasn't terrible before for what you guys had to give up, and you thought you were gonna probably get another good year out of Kimbrel like next year, but um, the Cubs got lucky. They got a good year out of good half year out of Kimbrel, and it worked out. They got a magic all for it. All right. Um, Illinois, let's keep this under five minutes, huh? I think that would be – everyone would be happy about that. And then the sooner we get to the Bears, the sooner we actually start having fun on this podcast. Because right now we just went from the White Sox losing the first round and we're going to the Illini who got bulldozed, absolutely bulldozed on their homecoming 24-0. to And it, it did not feel like 24-0, to Andrew. It felt like – once it got to like three zero in the first quarter, it just seemed like they were down three possessions. I know it was like a one possession game for a while and the defense kept you in it for the most part. I know like obviously 24 zero is not, it's not good, but I mean, 24 points in college, that's pretty good. Even against this anemic Wisconsin offense. And I would even say that they kind of just got tired at the end because Wisconsin was just on the field for so long that the defense finally just got tired and just could not keep up with our offense just going three and out, three and out, three and out. Uh, Overall thoughts from the game uh, and also the quarterback position too, that we saw that Brandon Peters nor Arsene Sitkowski could get it done. Yeah, so I'll start with the defense of the – line because I think that was the strong point they did give up a lot of rushing um not good run defense that game and you know it's it's a little tough to watch passing defense was okay uh Grammers threw for 100 yards on 10 passes so you know mm-hmm. nothing too bad there but yeah. uh we just got blown up in the run game and that allowed them to control the clock and honestly if they didn't run it so much this game probably would have been even a higher score. You know, Wisconsin could have easily scored in the thirties or forties if they didn't take so much time off the clock with these run plays. Um, But, you know, if you're able to chip away at the team with the run, you might as well do it. And that's what the Badgers did to the Illini. So defense. Okay. Could have played better against the run offense. It was frustrating to watch. I'll be honest. I mean, Brandon Peters struggled. He was three for seven. Arsikowski came in. He went 0 for his first nine, uh, maybe even 10 before he finally got a completion. Yeah. Overall in the day, he went eight for 27 for 55 yards. He could not hit his throws. The receivers could not get open. It was a mix of everything. It was just poor play by that offense as a whole. The run game didn't really get going. It, it was a tough game to watch. We had really no offense that game, and we just kept punting the ball back to the Badgers and letting them run the clock down. And I'm thankful they were running the ball at least because that made the game go by quicker. If I know. The clock kept stopping, that would just be an even longer game. So overall disappointed. I wasn't expecting them to win, but I was expecting them to put up some points and right. you know at least give us a glimmer of hope like they usually do and then fail. But instead, they just they didn't get anything going. And we talked about it going into the game. What are you going to need to – we don't expect to win against this team, but what are you going to have to do to make it a competitive game? And we said, all right, you got to hit some passes because this is a very good run defense that we're going up against. So for us to open up any running lanes against this Wisconsin defense, we're going to have to hit passes. Well, 
neither Brandon Peters nor Art could do it. And it was, it was bad. Like it, it, you only got a lot. If you saw like the box score and you saw, Oh, Illinois got two turnovers against Wisconsin and Wisconsin got nine penalties. Oh yeah. I would take that every single time, especially when Illinois didn't get any turnovers. Sorry. They didn't commit any turnovers and uh, they didn't commit any penalties like that. I would take, would you not take that? I mean, that would, that's a really good stat that I would take every single Saturday um, you just lost every single other stat and Brandon Peters and art could not get the ball downfield and could not capitalize on those positive stats. And uh, it, that was just really frustrating because I don't know what you do as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, as just like uh, offensive staff, if you just can't rely on your quarterback to make the simple throws and to just get first down, just go get you a first down when you need it. And they just couldn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, if your team is plus two on turnovers and has zero penalties, you should not be like, it's, and you lose that game 24 to zero. That's Wisconsin, just Wisconsin had nine penalties. I mean, like that is insane. That's so many like freebies there. They're giving you so much and you just couldn't do anything with it. Now, I think there was a one point where Illinois could have possibly kicked a field goal to put some points up, but it didn't matter at that point. No. They needed touchdowns. They weren't able to convert on fourth down. It doesn't matter, but man, it's, it's frustrating that offense they've been stagnant all year. And um, they had some games where we got glimmers of hope, but that was all pretty much in the run game. And, yeah. you know, they, Wisconsin stopped the run game here and our quarterbacks had to make something happen. And, they made nothing happen. So tough game to watch. It was. Uh, luckily, we got bye week. I think the team definitely needs this bye week to rest up, um, kind of regroup. I know we rag on this team. and I mean, we don't rag. We just kind of say it how we talk about the game and stuff that actually happened. I know there's a lot of good players on this team, and they just I, they just don't know how to win yet. They just don't know how to play winning football yet, and it's, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, I really think that this team still has a lot to play for and there's a lot of winnable games left on the schedule. I know they go to Penn state and happy Valley next weekend, but Sean Clifford might be out their starting quarterback. And we saw what the backup did against Iowa and he looked terrible. Now Iowa defense is a lot different than, or a lot better than the Illinois defense. Now that the Illinois defense is bad this year. It's actually, I mean, since that Virginia game, they've looked pretty decent for the most part. They've kept you in a lot of games in these games. So um, I think this Penn state, I don't think we're going to win it, but I don't think it'll be actually, it could just be a big blowout, but I think there's a little bit more optimism than I, I thought at the beginning of the season. And you still got Rutgers, Minnesota, Northwestern as well. And Iowa, but I'm not looking for that Iowa game. <laughs> yeah. You, Penn state, no matter what, it's going to be a tough game and yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how things are looking in, a week from now and how that quarterback slots looking it's, it's going to be a tough game. No matter. Yeah. What. Who do you think should start for Illinois? Yeah. Cause we <sighs> talked about it last week. We were like, do we start art? Like he could maybe hit some of those downfield throws, but like, do you really trust him? And he proves he couldn't even, he, he didn't prove anything to me. His accuracy was not good at all. And one thing that I was a little, concerned about was the play calling 
almost all of his first few passes were deep shots. Yeah. Like for me, if I'm putting in a new quarterback, I want him to get comfortable, get his feet wet. I want to be doing handoffs. I want to be doing screens, you know, short passes, check downs. He was doing none of those. He was taking deep shots every play and he was missing his target every play. It's like at that point, try to get him in a rhythm before he's taking shots downfield. Now, maybe that wouldn't have helped. Who knows? But um, honestly, next week, I don't even know who you start. They both looked bad to me. I don't know. Just put uh, Chase Brown and let him take the snaps, man, at this point. Or maybe get Isaiah Williams back at quarterback for a game. Or I don't know. Cause he did well against Penn state last year in their, in their, uh, in the last game. I, I'll say actually, I loved them just taking deep shots with art because that's pretty much what he seems like he's only decent at. And he just couldn't convert anything. And yeah. But he missed every throw. <laughs> he, I know. And then Brandon Peters is supposed to be good at the quote unquote nickel and dime plays where he's supposed to, you know, just the short yardage passes and stuff. And he wasn't good at that either. So it's just like both quarterbacks who had their strengths uh, just could not do either. And I don't know what you do as an offensive coordinator. I just don't – I don't blame Tony Peterson or Brett Lima for that game plan whatsoever. The quarterbacks just need to – now, even if – I don't know. I I don't think they were going to win that game anyway, but uh, it just nothing went in in their way on offense, it seemed like – Really, really frustrating. All right. I feel like that's nope. enough Illinois football talk for now. How about we talk about our three and two Bears? They go to da Las Bears. Vegas. Yeah, da Bears. They go to Las Vegas, John Gruden's last game of his career, probably. And they just beat the crap out of the Vegas Raiders. And honestly, Andrew, they the, give credit to the Bears. They played some smash mouth football. Like they played a very physical brand of football that I think we've been wanting the past, I don't know, past couple of years where they just kind of dominate physically in the game. And that was really nice to see because the the Raiders just were on their heels the entire game, it felt like. And I just I don't know. I, I I really liked just the overall game plan that the Bears had for that game. And obviously the Raiders looked out of it. I think the whole cloud with the John Gruden thing happening at the time, because he was still the coach and just the emails came out uh, that previous week. So I think that cloud was still hanging over. We saw a lot of drop passes. We saw the sidelines, the, the Raiders sidelines just looked dead. Like they just, it looked like all the air just got taken out of the, that sideline. So that had a part to play, but I really liked that Bears win right there. I thought it was just an all-around good team win. I agree. It was a good football win. Um, they, they went out, they played hard, they got the win. Now, I will say that the Raiders had a lot of miscues. They had dropped passes, easy throws that Derek Carr missed, stuff like that. But that's football. Um, the game could have been different had they maybe converted a few of those, but you know, it is what it is, and I'm happy they didn't. Um, there were a few plays where our corners got burned and either the bad throw or drop pass, mm-hmm. thankfully. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, that defense played well. Khalil Mack, Very. he was having a day against his former team. Do you remember Bears traded for Khalil Mack with two first-round picks, and uh, right. one of which got their running back, Josh Jacobs. Um, Bears shut him down pretty well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, He's Khalil Mack had a good year. I think the Bears won that trade. No, he hasn't. 
Yeah, there's back and forth every year on who won the trade. Is, you, is that defensive player really worth two first rounders? When you have an impact guy like Khalil Mack and you yeah. see what he can do and you pair him with a healthy Robert Quinn playing this year, that's a devastating one-two punch. And they're wreaking havoc on teams. And they showed Derek Carr what that's all about. I think Khalil Mack had, was given Derek Carr hugs on quite a few plays. Uh, that was awesome to see. And that offense, man, that was fun to watch. Even though David Montgomery went down, Damian Williams was slightly injured, but he was back in practice and now he's on the COVID list. So he's not going to play, but you know, it was, him it was and, a good, it was a good game. Him and Khalil Herbert um, did some things for the Bears, And it looked like the, the bears uh, offensive line and rushing attack didn't skip a beat. And Damian Williams had some really good plays where you're just like, Oh, that's a, the Super Bowl MVP that I, I thought I was watching. I know Patrick Mahomes won it, but I think Damian Williams should have won that MVP for that Super Bowl uh, two years ago. Uh, so, yeah, man, I, I really liked that team win. I like how you brought up Khalil Mack, too, um, with with uh, the Josh Jacobs stuff. And Josh Jacobs, I he you know what he reminds me of? Who was that running back we had out of Michigan State a few years back? Uh, he was on that college football playoff team that one Michigan state team that went to the college football playoff. I'm pretty sure. And he had one really good season and then he just, he was out. It was after Matt Forte, I think. And people thought he was going to be the, you know, the successor to Matt Forte. Oh, it's killing me that I can't think of. I'm going to, I'm going to look up his name here, but um, I, yeah, I really liked our running back room. They did a really good job plug and play. Still, obviously, we still want David Montgomery back as soon as possible. But in the meantime, I think these guys can tread water until that. Now, like you said, Williams isn't going to be playing. So we have uh, Khalil Herbert, which we're both really excited on. I think we're both pretty high on him as a running back. So it'll be oh, – yeah. um, what's that? Khalil Herbert, he's fun to watch. Both Khalils were fun yeah. to watch, and Khalil Herbert's going to be starting this next game. That'll be good. Um, is Jordan Howard? No, no, he's out of Indiana. Yeah, no, it was um, earlier, before him. Before him. It was before him. Before him. Yeah. You're talking like Thomas Jones, Cedric Benson era? No, or... no. Post Matt Forte. I'll look it, yeah, I'll look it up. It's killing me. I, I don't know why I can't think of it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the uh, the Chicago Bears offense, I thought they had a really good game plan of just controlling the clock. You know, Justin Fields made the throws when he needed to, and he had some scramble plays. He still had some freshman moments where he, um, I think on the play, he hyperextended his knee. He probably should have just thrown the ball, or if he just stayed running the entire time, he would have outran the guy who was chasing him. Instead, he tried to pump fake it, tried to run, and then tried to, fake it again before running again and the guy caught up to him and it made him hyper extend his knee and he did not get the first down but i mean that for the most part you don't really see him putting the ball in harm's way passing wise for the most part and obviously he's had a couple fumbles here and there because he's he's kept it loose but i I really liked what i saw from the offensive game plan as a whole i thought bill laser did a pretty good job yeah, one thing I really – he did do a good job. Bill Lazor did a good job of the offense. One thing I really disliked, though, about the game plan was there were a couple of plays where Justin Fields got beaten up. You saw him take the hit to the rib. You oh, saw yeah. him hyperextend his knee. And then there's a call for a designed quarterback run. 
I don't like that play personally because you saw how Justin Fields was getting beaten up. If he goes down, then you're you're having to switch to Andy Dalton. Like with that Raiders team and them being notorious for hitting hard and stuff like that, I want to keep Justin Fields out of harm's way. I don't want to do those designed runs on third and seven or whatever it was. Like, mm-hmm. be smart with your quarterback. I don't want Justin Fields injured. Now he's he's yeah. feeling he's feeling the ribs. He's feeling a knee going into this week. That's going to be on his mind against the Packers. Like, you got to keep him healthy, and I want to see him protect him a little more. I want to see him be smarter too and not put himself in risks way. If he doesn't need to, you know, get rid of the ball when he needs go down and not take these big hits. Cause man, I was scared when he took that hit to the ribs. I was scared when he hyperextended his knee. I'm like, Oh no, Justin Fields. He's out for the season. He tore something. Luckily he came back a few plays later, but man, if he goes out for the season, that's just going to be devastating. I, I want to see him take care of himself. I got the running backs name. What is it? Jeremy Langford. Wow. Yeah. Now he was, <laughs> he was the heir apparent. Uh, and then he got injured and uh, with an ankle and uh, Jordan Howard came in for him to, to fill in for him. And pretty much he just never gave up the job after that. Uh, Jordan Howard, that is. So Langford came back, but for a while at the end of the 15 season, he looked really good. And then the beginning of the 2016 season, he looked really good before the injury. And then he got injured with his ankle and then Jordan Howard stepped in and then it was, he got cut at the end of the year. So uh, he was not on the bears for too long, just a couple of years, but uh, I really liked that Michigan state team. So I think that's why he just stuck with me. That's fair. And honestly, think about it. You think about the recent past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, think about quarterbacks and running backs for the Bears. You can name multiple quality running backs that you would be happy with on your team. Quarterbacks, there's none of them, but running backs, you have Thomas Jones, you have Matt Forte, even Cedric Benson was decent. You have uh, David Montgomery, obviously, but even before him, you had uh, Jordan Howard. Like you have some really good good running backs. The Bears have been good with getting running backs, but they've just sucked getting quarterbacks. Hopefully until this year where Justin Fields is our quarterback. But, man, in the past, we have not been good with quarterbacks, but those running backs. I've always wow. I've always brought that up with Josh, too, because I feel, I always told him, I'm like, man, the Bears always find a way to get the running back room right and never the quarterback room. But the Packers, they always seem to always have their quarterback room set up but they never had a running back. Like I don't, other than Aaron Jones, he's been good. But I mean, remember Eric Scarborough, I think he was supposed out of the Alabama. He was supposed to be their next great back. And he was just terrible. He, he just could not get it together. And the Packers have never, you never think about Packers and running back other than Aaron Jones the past few years. But I, I always thought that was kind of funny. And also the bears have always had a really good defense and the Packers usually do not have a good defense. Yeah. It's, it's awesome that, you know, you have this great defense. You focus so much on offense and not much on defense. And then you still have a very good defense and the offense still sucks. It's like, what's going on? Like you're putting all this attention. It's not working, but you're not putting attention on defense and you're playing well. So it's kind of funny to see that, but uh, you know, Hey, solid defense, solid run game, Plug in at Justin Fields, some mm-hmm. magic's gonna happen. And we've seen that three and two, 
Hey, if they win this week, they're in first place in the NFC North. That is crazy. That is crazy. So with let, let's talk about the defense a little bit more in depth here. Obviously, with the front seven, they did their job. And I think we, we kind of talked at the beginning of this segment that Derek Carr missed a few passes downfield that would have made the game different. A few of the receivers made some drops, including the tight end, Darren Waller. Yeah, that's his name. Darren Waller made a couple of drops. Uncharacteristic game from a lot of those guys. So the front seven definitely kind of masked some of those issues. And not that the back seven is bad or the back the back group is bad, but you know, they had, they're, they're a pretty good group. I think what really makes us a great defense is the front seven and they proved why on Sunday. I agree. The front sevens played phenomenal. Um, now, unfortunately, Alec Ogletree or was it Ogletree? I know it's oh, yeah. Jeremiah Tatchew's on IR. Yeah. Alec Ogletree might also be injured. I don't recall. Um, so there's going to be some shifting going on there, but uh, those cornerbacks and the safeties, DeAndre Houston Carter had a nice pick that game. Um, outside of that though, not great play by them. And it's, I mean, we knew this coming in that the, there would be questions at the cornerback slot. Jalen Johnson's played pretty well. Um, Kendall Vildo, he's gotten better, but he's gotten lucky a lot with guys dropping passes. Um, Eddie Jackson, he hasn't been making that impression that we're hoping to see. And, Duke Shelley in the nickel, still not a huge fan of him. Honestly, the Bears just restructured uh, Robert Quinn's contract. They have some cap space now. I'm hoping they go out and they get like Bryce Callahan or somebody, plug him in at nickel. That would be a big boost. Um, I we need we need to address those back four because that that's been a struggle for us. And again, we saw it against the Raiders. If they just were catching the balls, then that game would have been blown open. Yeah, I, you were on the Jalen Johnson train from the beginning, man. I'll give you credit. And he's lived up to the hype. He has definitely lived up to the hype and what this Bears defense needs, the secondary that is. But he only covers one side of the field, and he doesn't – you know, he's only one guy out there. They definitely – in the offseason, they definitely need to address that secondary because, like you are saying, Kendall, Kendall Vildor, I just don't see it right now. I, I really don't. Eddie Jackson, just don't see it. So, I – we just don't have a lot of draft capital, unfortunately, but I definitely think that is one of the top needs is cornerback and safety. Oh yeah. Agreed. But Hey, we got, I think 3 million in uh, $3 million of cap space by restructuring yeah. Robert Quinn. So we have, I'm thinking they're going to try to make a move, maybe get a, I know Bryce Callahan. And here's one thing I want to bring up and get your thoughts on it. We were very critical of the Kyle Fuller move at the start of the season. That I was more was than a you cap were. space. But you look at how he's playing in Denver. Did the Bears see something that we didn't? Because he's not having a very good season with the Broncos. You know? No, No, I see. I wasn't too unhappy about it when he left. But then, like, we went into training camp and went through the preseason. I was just like, okay, you know what? He might not have been the best cornerback, but he was always available and he was always healthy. And then we went through all that. And I was like, crap, I maybe we should have kept him and tried to, to hold on to him. But like you said, I he really has not been impressive in Denver. And that's with Vic Fangio coaching him. So I don't know. You would think you would still like him on this team just because he's so familiar with the system. 
and just so familiar with the other players. I, yes, but I, I don't regret letting him go, but it, I wouldn't be upset either if we kept him and moved him off of the wide receiver one role and had him guard like the, the second best wide receiver on the other team. I, I, and I definitely think he's an upgrade over Kendall Vildor. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. just, you know, with the salary cap issues, if you keep Kyle Fuller, you're cutting, I don't know who you're cutting, but you're cutting somebody. And I'm, I'm hopeful that one of our quarterbacks will get to trade, clear up some cap space, either Dalton or Foles. I think there's a couple teams that need quarterbacks. Maybe we'll be able to deal one of them and open up some more cap space. And then we can make a move. Maybe, I guess here's a question for you. Would you rather see the Bears go out and get a cornerback or an offensive lineman? Is he just a one-year rental? Um, sure. I, you know, I think either way, I would still probably just go offensive line just because Justin Fields is your future and you need to protect him at all costs, even though, and because we've seen the defense kind of mask uh, poor cornerback play on that side of the field. They've kind of been able to get around it. And I guess the offensive line too is kind of, through schemes been able to mask a bad offensive line, but there you still see some holes that could get Justin Fields hurt and you have to protect him at all costs. I think I would do offensive line just because of that reason. I agree with you. I think if you can get an upgrade at one of the tackles, you definitely pull the trigger there and I don't know that you can, you might have to make a trade. I doubt there's anybody in free agency that we could pick up. Um, but Hey, Jermaine Effetti just went on, I believe the IR. So you're down to Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle and Jason Pierce at left tackle. You, I think want to try and make a move for a tackle. And hopefully that's why they're cleaning up cap space because even with Tevin Jenkins, he's out probably for the season is my guess. But you, you want to get Justin Fields protected. And I like what they did. One thing I want to mention is if you saw and you were listening in the last game, you heard a lot the refs saying number 64 is eligible, which was Alex Bars. So they were bringing in an extra offensive lineman for mm. a decent amount of those plays to help block, which I thought was really creative because you want to get Justin Fields protected. And a lot of those were run plays, but even the past plays, like, that gives Fields some extra protection, which is good. I don't want him getting beaten up. So um, I definitely think you could add a tackle to that roster. What's scary with too about the way Ryan Pace has handled this offensive line situation, even if Tevin Jenkins was healthy, didn't have an injury history, and he was with the Bears, you would still be looking at the offensive line as a problem. Now you would, I mean, it would help having, you knowing that you had um, Chris, not white hair. Uh, it, white hair, Cody Whitehair, right? Yep, Cody Whitehair. Yeah, Cody Whitehair. I don't know. I was thinking Chris Whitehair, Cody Whitehair, and Tevin Jenkins to build around. But the rest of the line, it still just seems like a mishmash. Even if you did have a, a couple more solid pieces, I, I do want. They've done a good job so far. I don't know if they'll be able to continue this throughout the entire season of just continuing mix and match pieces like that, especially in the future going forward, because even if it works out this year, you want years in the future to work out as well, where you want some continuity there because these guys got to grow together with Justin Fields as their quarterback. And if you just keep stapling this thing together, eventually it's going to catch up to you. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think James Daniel has played fairly, mm -hmm. fairly well. He's yeah. also somewhat young. Um, Alex Bars, he's a backup, but he's, he's done his role. He's a promising so future, we, I think. Exactly. We have some young guys, the promising future. Obviously, the tackles need to be addressed. Tevin Jenkins hopefully comes back healthy and can play. But I think even next year, going into the offseason, we'll need some tackles for this team. Um, defense, I think, is solid. Uh, you can obviously address corner safety, but that pressing concern is the offensive line and maybe even a number one receiver. Wink, wink, Allen Robinson not having a outbreak this season. You know, he really, the Allen Robinson we thought, is he just not getting opportunities? Who knows what's going on? But he does not have many catches and yards through these first few games. I would love if we got Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Uh, we saw what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are doing. Now they're, they're reunited in the NFL after they had that historic season in LSU in 2019. Maybe Chris Olave and Justin Fields could recreate some of that magic that they had together. Uh, but just, uh, how are you going to get Chris Olave though? Yeah, because I don't think you own any draft picks from now until 2025. <laughs> could you sign and trade a Rob? You would need more to get a first rounder. It's going to have to be an early first rounder, I think, mm, to get Chris Olave. Yeah, I would agree. I would say he's going in the top 15. A-Rob, you might be able to get a late first. Most likely, I'm thinking With a second. Alan, Alan Robinson, because right now he's on his uh, – not even his deal. He's on the, the tag right now. So you might not even be able to trade him because of the tag. And so after this year, I don't – I don't think you're – Well, they could tag and trade him or sign and trade him if they if they want that draft um, okay. capital. They could I just find don't think a way to do a it. first-round pick for Alan Robinson. Teams do not like giving up no. first round, especially in the NFL. It's just Zach Ertz got a fifth round pick today for him. I think you're lucky if you get a sec. I think you might be able to get a second for a Rob. Um, if he if he has a better tail after the season, yeah. I think you could get a second for him. But I Chris Olave is not sliding. He would need round. to be on a longer term contract for a team to use some value on that. I yeah. think. So if you can get him on a longer term contract. Now, here's the thing, though. We've been clamoring for more than two wide receivers. Let's say you can lock up A-Rob for a few more years. You have Darnell Mooney still on a younger contract, and you draft Crystal. Well, you, there's your top three running uh, wide receivers right there. I'll take all three of those guys. You're forgetting we don't have a first-round pick, Danny. Chris Olave is not going to the Bears unless they in this, trade in this scenario, Khalil Mack. In this scenario, we're getting him in the fourth round when we have a pick, and he stays in school for another year. So we're getting him in 2023. In order for the Bears the to get – No, in order for the Bears to get Chris Olave, either Jalen Johnson or Khalil Mack is, is out. There's no way you get a top 15 first rounder that's not for one of those. And even one of those guys, I don't know that you get a top 15 pick, but especially because there's no way anybody else on this team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roquan Smith, maybe. Roquan Smith, Khalil yes. Mack, or Jalen Johnson. It's got to be one of those. And I'm not, Roquan Smith is going to be your stalwart for the next decade there. I'm not giving him up. Yeah. So you're giving up giving one of those guys if you want. Chris I would give up. Oh, no, I don't want to give up Khalil Mack either. I know he's on the back half of his contract, but he's just so fun to watch. <laughs> but Jalen Johnson is like your solidified cornerback for the next 10 years. Roquan Smith's going to be there for a long time. 
Cleo Mack's just too fun to watch. You, you know what? Sorry, Chris. We'll get you later down the line. Maybe we'll pick you up in free agency one of these years. All right. Uh, yeah. So do you think we'll see anything out of Cole Komet this week? I hope so. It's, I mean, you watch teams like the Chiefs, the Eagles, you watch these teams get their tight ends involved. You know, Travis Kelsey gets involved. You watch Gronk with the um, Bucks. Yeah, It's fun to watch those tight ends get involved. And then you just, you see Cole Komet get like one pass the whole game. And it's like. He doesn't get a lot of separation either. Now, to be fair, the Bears aren't a pass-heavy team. So Justin Fields doesn't throw. Exactly. And that's because we have a phenomenal run game. So like that makes sense. And at which point you're relying on Cole Komet to be a blocking tight end, which he's been good at. Um, now, if you're only throwing the ball 20 times a game, you're probably only going to target your tight end a handful because you're yeah. going to be targeting receivers, running backs, you know, so that makes sense why he's not getting super involved, man. It's fun to watch those tight ends, get the ball. It yeah. would be nice if they let Justin Fields loose and said, Hey, this week we have Khalil Herbert as our one. Ryan Nall, I guess, is our two. I would assume that. Yeah, I would assume so. Because he's or Antonio he got, Pierce. I think it's our Artavius Pierce. Artavius Pierce. Artavius Pierce. Um, it has been a long day when I'm starting to get these names wrong. At least I'm getting the last uh, name right. You are, yeah. Um, but hey, I saw Ryan Nall on the injury report, and I think I think we also have an Artavius Pierce as a defensive back. Who was on the injury report, but um, I was man. Maybe you don't go so run heavy this week, and you let Justin Fields play some quarterback because Khalil Herbert can run. But man, if he gets injured, you're down to Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce. That's going to be tough. Um, so it. maybe I'd rather have them get hurt than Justin Fields. True, but hey, maybe you let Justin Fields use his arm this week and. Yeah, let him try 30 plus attempts, get some receivers involved, get a Rob and Mooney involved. I think this is a good game for that without Williams, without Montgomery, let Justin Fields make it a passing game, you know, throw some runs in, but let's see what this offense can do. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I think so. I I really think that. And it just sucks having some, but the Packers are beat up too. I know the bears are a little bit beat up on offense, but the Packers are beat up too. And I think there's a lot of things to be able to take advantage there. And, you know, Justin Fields at home against the Packers, maybe he'll start treating the Packers like Aaron Rodgers has been treating the uh, Bears all these years. And he's going to use this rivalry to just go up that extra level and play at that extra level since it's the Packers. I would love that, man. So we'll see. Uh, Artie Burns. That's the cornerback. Sorry, Artie Burns. Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking, okay, Artie Burns. Yes. I thought I got Artavius Pierce. I was like, he's not a running back, Danny. Are you kidding me? No, like, I thought he, I thought it was the same name, a running back yeah. and defensive back. But I don't know why. I get those two confused so often, Artie Burns and Artavius Pierce. They are two separate people. Sorry for the confusion. Um, so, yes, Artavius Pierce, the running back, and Artie Burns, mm-hmm. the defensive back. Yeah, but we saw Jer- um, Jeremiah at how do you pronounce his name? Attachu. Yeah, think yeah, yeah. I could be. I could be butchered. He's on. He's on IR. Jermaine Orfetti on IR. That sucks. Um, but I you, didn't he, Alec Ogletree go on IR. He, I thought I saw something like that. Um, I don't see him on here. 
I thought I did see that. What the heck? Maybe he's not on IR. Yeah. Maybe that was maybe I was confusing him with Jeremiah Tachu, who went on yeah. IR. Yeah. Alec Ogletree was injured last game, I believe, but he maybe he came back. I remember him popping up somewhere, but he was um he's been pretty decent for the Bears this year. Yeah, he has. He's and you know, he was taking he was in for uh Danny Trevathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like what they've done so far uh as a defense as a whole. And Alec Ogletree has Good amount to do. I obviously Roquan Smith at the linebacker spot has the most to do with it, but still, there's just a lot of role players who are stepping up in and just filling in those gaps and stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad Ogletree. He he won't be on the. Uh, doesn't look like he's on any injury reports, so he should be out there Sunday. And, um, dude, here's here's a question for you. Do you pick up Quinn's contract? If he keeps playing like this, Robert Quinn. Yeah, I think you do because so. because you by restructuring his contract, you have a lot of wasted money in the future. Which I don't know yeah. how they're going to address this. A lot of teams are doing this. They're creating dead cap space and they're pushing money out to the future. They're saying, okay you'll play for us for two years and then we'll pay you for four years. So we paying you two years after you're done playing and that's going to catch up to all these teams soon. I don't know what they're going to do when that happens, yeah. but the bears did that. And that's what they did with Robert Quinn. If you get him for cheap and you can kind of even that money out. Sure. But you, I don't think you can afford to pay him a whole lot um, with that Eddie Jackson signing and, Eddie Jackson's making a lot of money and that's, it's not allowing you to sign some of these other top tier players. And, you know, you got to sign Roquan Smith. You have to give him big money because he deserves it. And that's going to be coming up. He's on what his fourth year now. Roquan Smith. Is this, how, do you, uh, I don't even know how many more years he has on the, on his deal. I thought he had, two more years on his deal. I think uh, Eddie Jackson has three more years on his deal after this. If I'm not mistaken, okay. I think Khalil Mack only has two more years on his deal after this, which is crazy yeah, I mean, to think about. It feels like we just signed him to like a huge deal. Exactly. Roquan Smith, when you obviously pick up the option on his deal, yeah. you get the fifth year, no question about it. And then after that, you pay him big money because he deserves it. Yes. And, if you, you're going to have to figure out the money there because you have Kalu Mack, who's a superstar, making a lot of money. You have Eddie Jackson. You're going to have Roquan Smith. Jalen Johnson, when he's he gets his get, yeah. sixth year, he's going to get a big contract. Justin Fields, you, you're going to have to figure out some of this money. So um, they're going to have to start making some tough decisions. And honestly, I don't think Eddie Jackson's going to be back once his contract's up. And maybe no. they'll even trade him. But I don't know that they're going to get a whole lot based on how he's playing. So. We'll see how that goes. Um, I yeah. I think what I'm frustrated about with, I you know obviously the players I'm frustrated with because they're on the field and going out there, but uh, Ryan Pace I think I'm the most frustrated with just because of the situation he's put you in with the salary cap. You're you're such at a salary cap disadvantage with. Uh, with the entire team and you really just do not have any wiggle room and you're the oldest team in the league. And to supplement that 
you just don't have any draft picks to really offset that this in the next uh, off season or the one after that, you really just don't have any good draft picks to kind of offset that problem. So you're kind of just in this hell where you pretty much just have to wait it out. You just have to wait a few years before it all kind of resets and players come off the books and you get some of those draft picks back. And that's why I'm just, I just don't want to see Ryan Pace in that GM chair any longer because I just don't believe that he's not going to continue trading up and trading draft picks away for these free agents or for these uh, high-end guys, which is good for the short term, but long term, you got to have a balance. And he really just is, throws the balance out the window for win now, win now, win now mode. When really this team is not a Super Bowl contender where you can start doing that playing win now mode with them. I agree. Like you look at the team, we have some of the crucial pieces, but we need some of these other guys and you're not going to be able to get a bunch of big impact guys with salary cap reasons. So you're going to have to draft them and not having these draft picks is going to suck. We need a true number one receiver. If a Rob isn't stepping up, we need a true number one receiver. We need another cornerback. Um, we need some offensive linemen, like you're going to have to dress those and you might be able to get some of them in free agency, but you're going to hit your salary cap fast. So you're going to need yeah. to draft well, and we don't have many draft picks these next few years. So he's going to have to get back some draft picks somehow, probably trade some guys away. I don't know how he's going to do that, but we got to get some draft picks back so we can get some talent in here. And teams really don't like giving up draft picks whatsoever. And if they do, you it always doesn't seem like the other team gets the value in draft picks. And it's almost like they're just trying to get money off their books or players off their books. And they'll just take a a crappy draft pick in exchange for that. I could see Ryan pays doing that. Unfortunately. Agreed. We'll see how it plays out though. I don't know how long he'll have that job and I don't know what ownership will let him do. They might tell him you're not trading away these draft picks anymore. Um, I don't know, but it's exciting having one thing that, sucks is having a first round draft pick is so exciting i know you know you 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 turn on the draft day one you watch the five minute timers you're just like oh who's gonna get drafted who's my team gonna select and when you don't have a draft pick it's just not as exciting man like it's just everybody should have a locked in first round draft pick just to make just it's fun to watch the draft picks we traded away for the first round khalil mack and justin fields i thought were worth it it's the trading up for the second and third round picks that, that have really just swung and missed wildly that he's used picks to trade up in those rounds. Now he's had bad first round picks, but the, the picks he's traded away in the first round haven't been a terrible of use. I'd say. I agree. Except it's for just, the Mitchell Trubisky one. That was actually pretty well, bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun watching first yeah. round, you know, your team have a first round draft pick. So Maybe we'll get some picks somehow. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But I don't think Pace is going to be able to trade away a bunch of draft picks if he's not coming back. No, no. But, I mean, also, if you keep him, though, it's like you got to let him do his job. So it's like how much are you really stepping in there? Because if you are giving him all these rules, is he really the GM of your team if he's got all those handcuffs on? So it, it's a tough situation. And, yeah. uh, you know. If it was me, he wouldn't be back. Him and Matt Nagy would be gone after this year, in my opinion. Fair. I'm. I'm willing to give. Him, I'm willing to see what they can do. I mean, we gave. Yeah. Ryan. We gave Ryan Pace a bunch of, you know, 
bet we, we threw a bunch of bad words his way after the Robert Quinn deal. And then this year he turned it around. So, Hey, was that a pace issue? Was that a Robert Quinn issue? It seems like it might've been Robert Quinn. So that was a, maybe a decent move on his part. Uh, he went out and got Justin Fields. Yeah. He messed with Mitch Trubisky. Um, or, you know, what, what was the reason for that? I don't know, but if Matt Nagy's not calling the plays, I think he's a real, I think the players respect him. I think, and so. I think they like his attitude. So I think he's, he's a, a good leader, guy to have man. as your head coach. Exactly. He's a good leader. And I think the players like having him around. So as long as he's not calling plays, I say you keep him as head coach and let him do his thing. Cause um, hey, it's fun watching those guys dancing around after the game and club dub and, you know, they have, they have a good culture. So um, they do. as long as Nagy's not calling plays and, you know, Bill Lazor or somebody else is doing that, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm okay with where things are. I agree too. I think I, I really like man. It seems like he's upset if he's not in the trenches during the game where he's not doing all that play calling, he has his hands into in that offensive playbook. But it's like, dude, we don't, you know, we know you're the CEO of this team. You don't have to try to prove it by doing every single little thing on offense for this team. Just, you know, just be a good leader. That's all we really ask for. Delegate and just be a good leader of the, of the guys. And you don't have to try to go out of your way to do all this stuff. Agreed. And he was saying actually uh, in the press conference that he enjoys being able to talk to the guys on defense, the guys on special teams, just chat with guys and not have to worry about getting back to call plays. You know, he can just be the coach and connect with these guys while somebody else is calling plays. So I like that dynamic personally. Yeah. Hey, a quick shout out to the Chicago sky. It's game three of the WNBA finals and they're up or it's tied in the series one, one best three of five. And right now on their home court, they're leading the Phoenix Mercury 80 to 48 with less than a minute to go. So it will go to a game four on Sunday and the sky will have a chance to take home Chicago's first trophy since the Cubs won it all in 2016. So shout out to them and making our city proud. So hopefully not the last, hopefully it's the first of many for Hopefully city of Chicago. And hopefully it's the beginning of a dynasty. That'd be kind of cool. WNBA dynasty. We get another basketball one in here. I, I love that. Be. Any championships. I'll take any and all championships, man. I'm with you. And hey, don't forget about the NBA too. Season's yes. starting up soon. And they got they got they made some big splash moves on that end. So maybe we'll have uh WNBA and NBA in the same year. Who knows? That'd be insane. That that would be uh That'd be nuts. Yeah, the Bulls made a lot of moves. Obviously, Io's on the Bulls, and that is awesome. I, I just can't wait for that. Um, all right, man. Well, this was a lot of fun, and uh, I think we'll we'll get a we'll be talking about a, a win over the Cheeseheads this week, next week. Man, I sure hope so. It's been too long since we got a win over them, and I, I think we could do it. You know, I think we have the pieces we need, and obviously, guys left to play well. Justin Fields left to play well. We're down those running backs. So it's not going to be easy, but I think we have a chance at getting a win for once. I think there's a path. I think there's a path and this defense is going to keep you in it. And uh, we'll see what Justin Fields can do, man. I think you just got to let, you got to take the leash off and just let him, just let him run wild. Just let him, let just him do lose. his thing. Yeah. Let him lose, man. Just let him do his thing. And, Oh man, hopefully it'll be a sign of things to come for 
next decade and a half with him. I just can't wait. Can't wait for Sunday. All right, man. I agree. Do it again next week. Sounds good, Danny. As always, thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon.